Hello and welcome. I'm Cody Mori, and you are listening to Truth Triumphant Radio. Today on the show, I wanted to talk again about evolution. And now that we've sort of discussed uh, some stuff about the coronavirus and specifically um, some stuff about what the reformers taught on the uh, the harlot of Babylon or Mystery Babylon the Great, I wanted to kind of take a step back and look at evolution in light of those things which we've just learned. Uh, I'm calling this program Evolution's Missing Link. And as I've said before, you know, the, the Bible states that, that, you know, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So that's the problem with evolution. Evolution, this any issues that people might have concerning Islam, um, fascism, communism, those things that are coming into the country, socialism, all that stuff, uh, the floodgates are open when we reject God. That's just how it works. He's our protection. So that's why I've focused a lot on evolution. And I'm going to continue. I'm calling this one again uh, Evolution's Missing Link because it's the missing link that no one ever looks at. Now, in light of the things that we just said we uh, in, the la- in the previous shows, uh, we've looked at the Roman Catholic Church as the harlot of Babylon. And we're going to look at that uh, biblically as well in the future. But I wanted to uh, start off with some words from uh, Pope Francis in an article by the jour- by a journalist, Tailored Wolford, uh, Newsweek article, October 30th, 2014. Okay, and you can find that on uh, newsweek.com. Um, <clears throat> and this is about Pope Francis. Uh, and quote, Pope Francis has been head of the Catholic Church for less than two years. That was in 2014. But in that time, he has managed to overshadow his predecessor, Pope Benedict XVI, with his progressive statements on issues ranging from gay marriage to capitalism. On Monday, October 27, 2014, he did it again, saying evolutionary theory does not contradict Bible teaching at an unveiling of a bust of Benedict. Pope Francis told an audience from the Pontifical Academy of Sciences at in Vatican City on Monday that theories of evolution and the Big Bang, keep that in mind, the Big Bang also particularly, are not inconsistent with creationism and biblical teaching. He said this, the evolution in nature is not opposed to the notion of creation because evolution presupposes the creation of beings that evolve. Pope Francis said, according to the Vatican Newswire transcript of the event. Pope Francis continues, he says, When we read in Genesis the account of creation, we risk imagining that God was a magician with with such a magic wand as to be able to do everything, he said. However, it was not like that. He created beings and left them to develop according to the internal laws that he gave each one so that they would develop and reach their fullness. The creation of the universe, Francis said, is not a singular event, but rather went forward for centuries and centuries, millennia and millennia, until it became what we know today. To some, Francis's remarks could be seen as a departure from the position of his predecessor, Pope Benedict, who, before resigning the papacy in 2013, 
was known for his consistent orthodoxy on issues ranging from birth control to abortion to homosexuality. End quote. So, you see the, the Catholic Church now in the 21st century, now with Pope Francis, is moving towards n not only an acceptance of evolution, but saying that evolution is how God created the world and that he didn't just speak it into existence. In other words, he didn't just wave a magic wand and do it like that. He set up this system and this system was able to play out uh, until we have essentially what we have today. Now, there's a few problems with that. First off, you go into Genesis itself, you look at it. Uh, at the end of each day, it says God said it was good. And then at the, at the end of the sixth day, he said it was very good. Now, evolution uh, is, is a, a basically a system of death. Each time um, something is supposed to evolve, the, the, the predecessor dies off, right? So there's death there. Now keep in mind, according to the Bible, there was no death before Adam's sin. So there's a contradiction right there. And, and you, you got to think, if, if, God, if day six in these days, what they say is that the days are, are, are millions and millions of years, if at the end of, of these days, okay, God looks at all the death that has happened, all the carnage, all the animals killing each other and things like that, and he's going to turn and look at that and say, that is very good. What kind of God would that be? What kind of God would that be? Not Definitely not a God I would want to serve. And keep in mind that also this idea of God holding a magic wand, it, it's, it's clear from the scriptures that God did literally speak everything to existence into existence the way he said it. For instance, in Psalm chapter 33, it says, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. So when he said, Let there be light, there was light. When he said, Let there be fish, there was fish. Fully formed, ready to go. They the creation obeys the commandment of the Creator. That's what we see in the Scriptures. Now, that's not coming from a church. That's not coming from a pastor. That's what we see in the Scriptures. And remember, the Reformation was all about getting back to the authority of the scriptures. Now, this idea, this idea of evolution, we think it comes from Darwin. He popularized it, but it really doesn't come from him. It's, it's been around um, really hundreds and almost a thousand years probably before him. Uh, you know, arguably. And going back even to Martin Luther's day, I have a quote here from Martin Luther. He says, this and this is from this is from uh, Jaroslav Pelikan, editor on Luther's works, lectures on Genesis chapters one through five, volume one, um, written in 1958, and this is page three and six. Okay, so we know from Moses. This is this is Luther speaking. We know from Moses that the world was not in existence before six thousand years ago. So clearly he's in a disagreement with the Pope already. He, Moses, calls a spade a spade, i.e. he employs the terms day and evening without allegory. Just as we customarily do, we assert that Moses spoke in the literal sense, not allegorically or figuratively, i.e. that the world with all its creatures was created within six days and 
as the words read. If we do not comprehend the reason for this, let us remain pupils and leave the job of teaching to the Holy Spirit. Interesting. Interesting conclusion he comes to. If we don't understand that, we need to just trust in the Holy Spirit that that's the way it reads, therefore that's the way it was done. We, we always get caught up in, in these scholarly twisting and turning of the scriptures. Peter says that they rest the, the scriptures to their own destruction. But we got to remember, if God, if God is the God of all people and he wants all people to be saved, then his scriptures are going to be simple enough for everybody to understand them. So when you read Genesis, the logic, you don't, you don't have this understanding of God creating uh, an evolutionary process of how all these things came to be unless some some person comes over and tells you that when you read it just as it reads it appears just the way luther says and just the way the the historical supposedly um view of the catholic church such as pope benedict and his predecessors they said they they rejected the idea of evolution now pope francis um openly openly accepts it openly accepts it and now we have to wonder is this really more of a kind of posturing of sorts there's there's groups all throughout history you see it with politicians they'll say oh no i don't believe that oh no i'm not i don't want to do that or i don't believe this or that and then and then later on you see oh well that was a lie they just said that so it's keep all this stuff in mind that that they believe now in the theory of evolution and the Big Bang, but historically, they did not, or did they? Well, let's take a look at a part of the Jesuit oath, because looking at this from the Reformation aspect, we see really the Reformation, and then there was something in the Catholic Church called the Counter-Reformation. And the Counter-Reformation was headed by the Jesuit order, which was an order of monks, that was specifically commissioned to head the, really the Inquisition um, and the Counter-Reformation, which was trying to undo everything that the Reformation had done. Really, the, the, the free world that we live in is all fruits of the Reformation. But I have a part of their, their um, oath here, and there, there's a lot, you can find a lot of stuff like this about them online. Uh, there's quotes from John Adams, there's quotes from Thomas Jefferson, there's quotes from uh, Marquis de Lafayette, for instance, there's quotes from Napoleon, all about the Jesuit order and their their fierceness. They were actually expelled throughout the 18th century by something, I think it was something like 60 countries in in Europe and, and parts of uh, really Eastern Asia, right near Russia and those areas, all the way up into in Spain banned them like three or four times. The Jesuit order specifically, not Catholic. These are Catholic countries that have banned them. And why is that? Because they headed the Counter-Reformation. So they, they did whatever they could. They were essentially a secret society within the Catholic Church. That's what they were. And this is a part of their oath. 
uh, taken from Carlos Didier in his book Subterranean Rome, written in 1843. It says, this is their oath, I furthermore promise and declare that I will, when opportunity present, make and wage relentless war, secretly or openly, against all heretics, Protestants, and liberals, as I am directed to do, to extirpate and exterminate them from the face of the whole earth. So, the goal of the Jesuits is to destroy Protestants and to destroy Protestant principles throughout the entire world. That's what they, they, they do. That's what they've been doing since their inception in 1540, right around 1540. Now, I have a quote, another quote here from Abraham Lincoln. And this is quoted from uh, Charles Chinnike's book, 50 Years in the Church of Rome. Uh, page 499 it says the protestants of both the north and south this is abraham lincoln speaking here just quoted in that in charles chinnike's book who was a dear friend of his abraham lincoln says the the protestants of both the north and south would surely unite to exterminate the priests and the jesuits if they could learn how the priests the nuns and the monks which daily land on our shores under the pretext of preaching their religion are nothing else but the emissaries of the Pope, of Napoleon III, and of the despots of Europe, to undermine our institutions, alienate the hearts of our people from our Constitution and our laws, destroy our schools, and prepare a reign of anarchy here as they have done in Ireland, in Mexico, in Spain, and wherever they are, wherever, wherever there are any people who want to be free. That's Abraham Lincoln, end quote. So interesting. And, and this goes back to the very first talk that we had. Look at the institutions. Look at where things have been moving. Education has gone down significantly. There's over, I believe, 200, 200 Jesuit schools in the United States today. There is another 198 which are affiliated with them. And people come out of these, the people that come out of these schools uh, are usually the great big movers and shakers like uh, Georgetown University. That's, that's where uh, Bill Clinton came from. Um, Fauci, when he, he went to, he went to Holy Cross. That's another Jesuit school. And he spoke to, uh, students at Georgetown University when he warned them of the pandemic that was going to happen in Trump's administration. He would be somebody who's called, who we would call a Jesuit coadjutor, which means somebody who they also call him Jesuit of the short robe. Somebody who's not openly a Jesuit, but they still, they're Jesuit trained and they, they fulfill the, the will of the Jesuit order. This is the deep state stuff that people are talking about. This is what it goes, goes back down to. It goes back to all the way back to the Reformation and before that. And Daniel chapter 7 talks about this. Daniel chapter 8 talks about this. Daniel chapter 11 talks about this. And Revelation chapter 13, chapter 17. They talk about these things. And we'll, we'll, we'll look at those in the future. Uh, but for now, I want to look specifically at evolution again. 
Piltdown Man. We talked about Piltdown Man, that hoax from 1912 that wasn't that they wrote all those dissertations about how it proved evolution and everything, and they found it was a, it was an intended, it was an intentional fraud, really. Well, who was right there? A Jesuit priest by the name of Pierre Telhard de Chardon. Telhard de Chardon. He's known as the father of the New Age movement. Okay, why why would a a Catholic priest supposed to be conservative Christian, right? Why would they be involved in the New Age movement or the considered the father of the New Age movement? Well, we will take a look at a quote from him in just a second. But before we go there, I want to look at uh, the Daily Mail um, from the United Kingdom, DailyMail.uk, from an uh, article from a journalist, Francis Thackeray, uh, September 16th. And it says, was a French priest really behind the Piltdown Man hoax? That's the name of the article. It says this, in 1912, it was announced that some remains of the earliest Englishmen had been found in a gravel pit. This hominid, Eoanthropus dasoni, became known as the Piltdown Man. About 50 years later, South African anatomist Joseph Weiner exposed the Piltdown Man as a hoax. He revealed, revealed that a human skull and a modern orangutan jaw, both stained brown, have been deposited together in the gravel pit. Pierre de Telhard de Chardon was a French Jesuit priest at Or Place, a theological seminary near Hastings in Sussex. Corresponding from him to a friend convinces researchers that he knew from the very beginning that Piltdown Man was not genuine. So, in other words, his correspondence between his his colleagues, and this is a Jesuit priest, a Jesuit priest involved in fraud trying to prove evolution when the official, quote, official um, stance of the church is against it at that time. Isn't that amazing? Well, what did Pierre Tellard de Chardon actually believe? Why do they call him the father of the New Age? In the book, uh, the Aquarian Conspiracy, when it was, it was asked the author who was the most influential uh, New Age thinker or person or, or role model, that question was, was basically, it was put to a bunch of New Agers and the number one name that came back was Pierre Telhard de Chardin. Now, what did he teach? From uh, Schumacher, or Schumacher, uh, The Truth About Telhard, page 30 to 31, we read these words. This is what, this is what uh, Chardin, de Chardin taught. Christ is above all the God of evolution. He is its center, its alpha and omega, beginning and end. He is the omega point, the supreme summit of the evolutionary movement in which he is immersed and which and which super animates as God the evolver is the director the leader the cause and the mover of evolution Christ also is evolving into a super Christ humanity is the highest phase so far of evolution but evolution is beginning to change into a super humanity which at its peak becomes the Omega point 
which at its peak becomes the omega point. Keep in mind earlier in that same quote, he said that Christ is the omega point and he teaches this. He teaches that the earth and humanity are becoming all becoming sort of evolving together. The earth itself is evolving. We are evolving and we are going to become like Christ. We are going to become Christ himself with all the same powers and miracles and healing and godliness, divinity, essentially. And isn't that interesting? Because that, that, that is really what evolution teaches. I mean, at a very basic level, if you just logically think it through to its, to its end, eventually you become God, right? If, you, if we continue to evolve and evolve and evolve and evolve, eventually you become God, right? Well, I don't know if you've ever heard of this name, but Barbara Marks Hubbard, she was a basically a, another New Ager, and she had a spirit guide who would give her information. She was converted to this whole idea of New Age by, guess who? Deschardin. So she's, she's really one of his, his disciples. But then she began to uh, speak to spirit guides, and the spirit guide who spoke to her was called Jesus. So I, I doubt it's the same one just based on the quote I'm about to read you. Listen to this. Humanity will not be able to make the transition from earth only to universe life until the chaff has been separated from the wheat. The grape reaper must reap before he can take the quantum leap into the next phase of evolution. No worldly peace can prevail until the self-centered members of the planetary body either change or die. That is the choice. The red horse is the destruction during the birthing process of those who refuse to be born into God-centered universal life. This act is as horrible as killing a cancer cell. It must be done for the sake of the future of the whole. So be it. Be prepared for the selection process, which is now beginning. The second seal revealed a red horse ridden by one with power to take peace from the earth. It stands for the necessity of the selection process which shall rip apart the old order and destroy those who choose to remain self-centered remnants of the past. In other words, if you don't believe this new age mumbo jumbo garbage, and that's what it is, then you're going to have to die. I should literally literally said that and that's according to the spirit guide Jesus that goes by the name of Jesus. Okay, so these are the fruits of these people. This is a, this is a Jesuit priest, really the father of the New Age movement. You could you could put that right underneath all this, and and committing fraud to try to to pass off evolution on the rest of the world, simultaneously as the church supposedly is against it. But we it goes on from there. Did you know that the Big Bang theory itself was essentially theorized by a Roman Catholic priest. Did you know that? The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Listen to this. From uh, Unitarian Universalist Association, the Big Bang Theory, it's just an article by them. I don't necessarily believe everything, anything that, uh, everything that a universalist believes. Just, uh, certainly not. But it's, this is just where it comes. It comes from www.uua.org on the Big Bang Theory. It says this. In 1927, a Roman Catholic priest 
Oh, I'm sorry. That that quote from Barbara Marks Hubbard was from her book, Manual for Co-Creators, page 55 and 57. Okay? Uh, just, so we, just so we know. Uh, the other quote, the Big Bang Theory quote, goes on that... Uh, goes on to say, in 1927, Roman Catholic priest and scientist Georges Lemaitre proposed what later became known as the Big Bang Theory of the Origin of the Universe, based on the work by Edwin Hubble, who theorized and then proved that the universe was getting bigger and bigger. Many scientists have discovered other evidence that confirms that the theory might be correct. They think that the Big Bang happened 15 to... Uh, 13 to 15 billion years ago. All right. Now, he's a Roman Catholic priest, so you have the Catholic Church, again, pushing this evolution thing. But listen to this. It goes on a little bit. From uh, Georges Lemaitre in a biography uh, from www.thefamouspeople.com. It says this. Georges Lemaitre was initially educated at a Jesuit school located in Charleroi, named College du Sacre Coeur, end quote. So, the Catholic Church, the missing link between all of this is that the Roman Catholic Church, or the Whore of Babylon, the harlot, the secret society of the Jesuit order, has their people pushing the philosophies that they want to, to go forward so that they can destroy faith in God. And why do they want to do that? Because when people trust in God and they are close to God, God says that he sets up a hedge of protection around us. So if God is protecting us, then there's nothing that they can do. So they have to do the same counsel that that, that's in numbers that Balaam gives to Balak. You have to get the people to sin. So you have to, you have to come up with all this theorizing. You have to come up with all these, these um, doubting statements about God so that people move away from God. And when they move away from God, then they leave the, gate, the floodgates wide open for everybody else uh, for all these other doctrines to come in and, and to undermine and destroy a country. And that's what's been happening in the United States for a long time. I want to close on this in Psalm 11 verses 2 and 3. It states, For lo, the wicked bend their bow and make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And what are our foundations? Our foundations in the scripture. And if an evolution challenges that, evolution challenges a basic understanding of scripture. And who's behind it? At every turn, folks, it is the Jesuit order of the Catholic Church. And now the Catholic Church is openly accepting evolution and the Big Bang Theory, which comes from them. So that's it. We're about out of time, folks. Um, I'm Cody Mori, and you've been listening to Truth Triumphant Radio. God bless.